Welcome to Making Our Way Forward, a podcast where we share compelling life stories and learn from the experience of everyday entrepreneurs. At NACI, we celebrate diversity and invite you to join the conversation as we talk to entrepreneurs and leaders from all walks of life. We hope that by telling their stories, we bring you inspiration, empower you to take action, and ignite entrepreneurship in your community. Welcome back to Making Our Way Forward. I'm Jeff Smith, Director of Innovation and Equity for NACI, and I'm here with Ms. Linda Lay. I'm so excited to be with her today. So Linda is the lead uh, maker trainer at Maker Ed. She's been working on youth empowerment and advocacy for the past seven years, five of which was spent in the classroom as a public school teacher serving in under-resourced communities in rural Hawaiian East Oakland. She helped organize the all-staff union at her previous school and believes in building systems of support to help create vibrant and healthy communities. Uh, She has a BA in political science and communication from the University of uh, California, San Diego and an MS in education uh, from Johns Hopkins University. Linda grew up in California and currently calls Oakland home. She enjoys cooking, traveling, gardening, and all manners of tinkering. So we are so excited to have you, Linda. I, uh, as I said, I am uh, super excited to have you here. We've had a previous conversation, and um, I'm just looking forward to kind of diving in and and hearing your story. So welcome. Thank you for having me. What a great bio and intro. I was like, oh, wow. But also, fun fact, I actually, my title just changed to Learning Communities Manager for MakerEd. So surprise. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's so good. So I know it's evidenced by your new role and new title change that people value the work that you're doing. So we're Excited to get to know a little bit more about you and your work um, and how you uh, and uh, your organization is making an impact um, on the communities uh, that you serve. So, Linda, one of the things I wanted to ask you. So here at NAC, we we have begun to kind of embrace making as a part of our culture. So we've thought about making from a deeply philosophical point of view to a very practical approach to developing like a maker and entrepreneurial mindset for workforce development. But using that making as philosophy, we view um, ourselves all as makers, sometimes called upon to remake our lives, um, our communities, um, you know, and our world at large, especially after we experience some of the things that we've experienced in the last few years, um, including a health crisis, social and political unrest, and some things that are are continuously uh, going on. So how would you describe your work um, as a maker educator for our listeners out here? Yeah, my work as a maker educator, well, first and foremost, I think it's been a long journey to identify as a maker. I think I've always been a maker. I've always loved doing things with my hands, especially watching my parents who are Vietnamese refugees you know, they have always been making, making a life here in the United States, making food, like making and repairing things that were around our house. So I have always been surrounded by making, but to be called a maker still feels a little foreign, a little bit awkward because 
I view myself as an educator, one who cares deeply about equity and social justice and making just fits naturally into that. Because I think in communities of color, especially, like we have always been making, making to survive, making to thrive, making to teach and learn. And so how I I identify as a maker educator is I'm an educator who believes in hands-on learning and experiential learning as a way to experience our world. Wow, that was beautifully said. Thank you so much for that, Linda. So um, can you tell us a little bit about your passion and your journey that has led you into the work uh, of, of becoming a maker educator? Yeah, so as I mentioned, my parents are Vietnamese refugees and they relocated um, to California in the 70s. And so I grew up in a town of mostly like the largest population of Vietnamese refugees outside of Vietnam. But most of my teachers were always white and I always had a lot of questions that um, are always in the back of my mind. Like, how come in our world history class we only learn mostly about Europe and anywhere else was a paragraph in our book and that eventually led me to a program called um, APYLP Asian Pacific um, Islander Youth Leadership Program and that allows me a space with other young folks to talk and think about what does it mean to be in the United States what it does it mean to start to think about our identity and power and privilege. And then I went to college and fell into some activism work, leadership work, and really believed that education was where we needed to be or where I needed to be to do and create more just outcomes for youth and to build a more just future. And that's where I ended up in the classroom. Wow. That's amazing. I have always loved teachers, period just because I believe uh, it's such an admirable role and that teachers have the capacity to really transform people's lives just by being there, being present and like being able to provide an opportunity to see them. And so the act of like being seen, I think is super important uh, to uh, the educator's role. So I want to ask you, in what ways have you personally had an opportunity to feel like you have been seen? Um, and then in what ways as an educator have you uh, sought to provide opportunities to ensure that other people and students feel seen as well? Mm, opportunities where I personally have seen, oh, that's such a great question. I think one of my first opportunities of being seen outside of the um, youth leadership program that I did was actually in my first ethnic studies class where we were assigned to read Yuri Kochiyama's autobiography. And in it, the first chapter or so, she starts off with, I was so red, white, and blue. And then she goes off to explain how that didn't stop her family from experiencing so much harm and trauma and having been taken away to an incarceration camp. And something in that, reading that really like clicked in my brain and then it talks about her journey into social activism and that was the first time where I like read and saw someone who looked like me right who was like describing this feeling of what it meant for them to be in America to like feel so American and yet still so foreign Um, and then their passion 
and work in social justice work was just like, aha, like it can be done. <sighs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. How have you, Linda, how have you taken that experience and uh, tried to ensure that the, uh, the young people you're working with, the students, uh, the communities that you are working with, that they might have an opportunity to feel seen in that way as well? Yeah, well, I just think that all youth are so brilliant that basically adults just need to get out of their way, you know, like they have so many bright ideas. They are so much more like courageous in the way that they're willing to solve problems. Oftentimes I feel like adults get stuck because we've been conditioned in these systems of power and oppression to think a certain way and you've had none of that. Or, you know, they've still also been conditioned, but for them, it's so much easier to be like, no, if this is the right thing to do, we should do that. Or, oh, if we explain something that to adults can seem very complex, they're like, oh yeah, that seems right. You know, and so for me, it's in my classrooms, how do we share stories and celebrate difference? How do we have critical questions about what we're noticing and seeing in the world? And how do we cultivate our own purpose in not just like for ourselves, but for our community? And so a lot of my classrooms are about cultivating what is our purpose? What is our calling in um, how we move around our space and our community? And how do we treat each other and see each other and celebrate our strengths? Wow. I um, taught sociology for quite a while um, in higher ed. And one of the things I often talk to students about was cultivating a sense of curiosity and like sometimes how we lose that curiosity as adults, like you said, uh, of the world around us. And so I would be interested to know, like, in what ways do you personally like cultivate that curiosity? How do you do that? And how do you help other people do that? How do I cultivate my own curiosity? I feel like for me, in my mind, I'm always trying to build connections. So in my head, everything that I see, I'm just like, huh, that reminds me of this. Or like, hmm, like, I wonder where that comes from. And then I'm a big researcher. I'm a big information like loader. So everything that I see, I'm like, I need to know everything about it. I need to know. Um and that also comes into my own making practices is that like, I believe I can make anything as long as I have the tools, as long as I have the time, the resources, and I'm learning from the people who know the skills and the practice. I'm like, if you're willing to teach me, I'm willing to learn. And that's just kind of how I've exploded into all of my, my different making practices is that just like, yeah. If you're willing to teach me, I'll learn. I love it. Uh, I can't wait to, I want to ask you a a few questions about your um, making practices. Before I do that, I want to, can you describe to us um, more specifically the work that you do around youth empowerment and advocacy? Yeah, so some of my work in youth empowerment, advocacy. So I transitioned out of the classroom to work at Maker Ed and we provide professional development for educators. But where my heart and soul lies is working with youth and giving them and providing them the tools and materials and 
space for them to be able to dream and speak truth to power in um, a lot of the spaces and problems that they see in their own lives. So one of the classes that I've been teaching throughout the pandemic is a climate resiliency class at a high school in San Francisco. And so we've been learning about like water is life, like clean air is our right. How do we grow in um, our own food and maintain our own health? And really just finding both practical resiliency skills, but also developing our own like tools and agency to be able to like combat all the like climate devastation. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing work, Linda. What um, I would love to hear, you started to talk a little bit about this, but I would love to hear about your own kind of making practice. I know you use uh, making as a pedagogy in the classroom and your youth and advocacy work, but what are some of, can you tell us a little bit more about your own work uh, as a maker, some of the personal projects you might be working on? Yeah, so I have a lot of personal projects. It's like a running um joke it at maker ed that linda's always on to a new making skill <laughs> or practice but currently right now i make long boards i make and design some long boards i garden so i'm a huge gardener i also have been cultivating a lot of my indoor plants yeah i see a lot I, of your plants uh, in <laughs> my most passionate my most the thing that i am the most passionate about is cooking and eating food so you'll always find me in the kitchen experimenting cooking um taste testing and uh, mixing drinks along the way i love it (laughs) so linda you've had such an amazing journey thus far um i always like to ask this question um so what would present day linda tell linda from maybe like five years ago Five years ago, Mm. five years ago, where was I five years ago even? Um, Five years ago, I just moved to Oakland from Hawaii. I think I would tell Linda from five years ago that like community and relationships will always be the most important thing. Um, That like, she is enough and that like she is brilliant and to just believe in the work that she does and that it'll all fall together yeah I think that's what I would say wow I'm super inspired by you and your work Linda and I just speaking to you it gives me this sense of hope um, because it allows me to see that as we are dedicated um, to making broadly conceived um, that there is still opportunity to make meaning, uh, to find value, uh, and then also to serve others. Um, So I would love to know, just for you, what type of legacy would you like to contribute to leaving uh, in this world uh, in terms of your work and in terms of your own making practice? My legacy, oof, that's that's a hard one just because I think a lot of the work that I do is collective work. And so I don't think I can claim credit for anything that I do, but um, I think I want to be remembered for being, trying to always be on the right side of history as someone who dreamt very audaciously and like moved with courage and conviction. 
and that like what I leave behind and what are my hopes for the future is a more just future where youth are seen who where they have the agency to be able to like follow their dreams their hopes and that they no longer have to do this I always believe that there is always going to be change right there is always going to be a better and more just future ahead and so I know that there will always be work to be done but I hope that the future for youth is one that allows them to be seen and that the fight for justice doesn't have to be so hard that's amazing Linda if you could pass on any advice to um to makers and or uh, maker educators what would you tell them about um, their own practices and their their own work what what words of encouragement uh, would you leave them or advice would you give them advice to give maker educators Hmm, that's a really hard one i will refer to one of my co-workers dora and she says a quote that's along the lines that only until we start to think about our own practices in terms of equity, can we then start using maker education as a tool for liberation? I think maker education is amazing. It allows for youth to be able to use their hands to think critically about the world, but only until we start to think about our own practices and our own position in our systems of privilege and power, can we start to then really use maker education as a way to start to liberate. Wow. Okay. <laughs> powerful, powerful, powerful. Linda, Otherwise, they're building robots, right? Otherwise, we're building robots, and it's really cool and fun. But we need to also start thinking about how can we start making and building a better worlds. Hmm. Wow. That is so beautifully said. And Linda, thank you so much. I have appreciated being able to talk to you. Um, just as I said before, I always come away from conversations with you feeling inspired and wanted to literally like just make moves <laughs> and uh, and do good things and do good work. So we honor you for the work that you are doing. We honor you for your um, tenacity, your capacity to see the world around you, to remain curious and to lean into, you know, the, the lives of people that you can add value to. Um, that's honorable. And that is the spirit of making um, that we have uh, tried to cultivate here, the spirit of making that we've tried to draw from the maker movement and beyond, um, and the spirit of making that we really want to continue to encourage um, for our listeners and others. So you have helped us um, to do that by telling your story um, and just being transparent. So we appreciate you and your Thank you so much for inviting me onto this podcast. I feel a little bit of an imposter, but working with it. <laughs> I wanted to ask you really quick, is there any work or anything that you would like to share um, that you would like to share out? Anything that you're working on that you might want other people to kind of take a look at or ways that people can engage with you? Oh, sure. You can follow me on my public Instagram, Lin at Linda Bros. That's where I am documenting some tips and just my journey as a person who garden and grows food. Um, you can keep an eye out for a children's poetry book that 
is coming out soon. It's a compilation of some of my own poetry and poetry from my own students throughout the years. And follow our work at Maker Ed. We're having a lot of new and exciting projects coming out. And check out Learning in the Making Live, which was a project that my coworker Dora and I created at the beginning of the pandemic that features um, educators of color who are very passionate about the work that they do. And we get to hear some of their stories throughout it. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Linda. Helping to build this uh, ecosystem that's going to be transformative and, and potentially give us an opportunity to be able to lean into some of the things that you talked about today. Again, thank you for your time and thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that listening to this podcast will help you to explore the many ways we might define entrepreneurship. Join us every other Wednesday for more episodes as we celebrate opportunity, learn from one another, and grow together. Subscribe to this podcast, connect with us on social media, and learn more about today's speakers at nacy.com forward slash podcast. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard about our latest book, Impact Ed? How Community College Entrepreneurship Creates Equity and Prosperity? This is our roadmap for building back better in 50 states and globally. In each chapter, we share the inspiring stories of everyday entrepreneurs and explain how community colleges play a crucial role in their success. Visit us at nacy.com slash impact ed to order your copy now and join us in this work. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in, anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www dot nacyplaybook dot com